Steelers training camp continues, but I want to talk about the hidden maturity factor that I think is on offense that we aren't talking enough about. We'll talk about that, how TJ Watt made me look stupid, and take your calls here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find this show on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes, as well as our bonus content. We thank you for making the Locked On Steelers podcast your first listen every day because we're your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store and sign up with promo code Locked On to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. More on that later. Let's dig right back into training camp, y'all. So, um, for one, I'm, I'm going to say that even though the defense was able to win seven shots on uh, on uh, on one Wednesday, and which was another fully padded practice, it was four three. The first team offense split with them again, and also George Pickens made another ridiculous catch, and it was it was awesome. But there's something that I think that is a, a factor to this that, that to this offense that has a potential to be there. I'm not saying it is there right now, but there's a potential for it to be there throughout the season because it has to show itself. And that's the maturity of this team. Now, we all know this is a very young offense. Kenny Pickett's in his second year. Najee Harris and Pat Frymuth in their third years. Broderick Jones is a rookie. Daniel Dan, Dan Moore Jr.'s uh, in his third year. Um you know, uh, uh, you know, Deontay Johnson's what, 27, 28 years old around around there. George Pickens in his second year. You go, you go across the board. This is a very young offense, but I still feel like there's a level of maturity to how these guys play the game and how they try to interact with each other. Now, sorry, allergies have been kicking my butt, but, um, when we've when, when I've been talking to these guys now, if you know if you know me and you've listened to this show or watched the show a lot, you know that I one of the biggest factors I think that plays into Kenny Pickett uh, and what can make him a franchise quarterback in the NFL is his leadership and his maturity, and that shows all around. We we had we had the video of him uh, talking to us just uh, on yesterday's podcast. So go check out the Wednesday episode uh, here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast if you want to get that. But I think there's more across the board. One, uh, Isaac Seomalo has kind of been that stabilizing presence there as well. We, we've shown James Daniels talking on this show. He, I think he exemplifies that. Mason Cole, uh, Chuksako. Across the board, they have it. And, you know, if you look at the wide receiver room, that's another group. Now, normally wide receivers are considered the divas of every team because they, they, you know, they, they kind of have to have a swagger about them if they're going to go out there and play the way that wide receivers need to play in today's NFL. And George Pickens is absolutely a, a you know, NFL young boy. He talks his smack. He goes up and he makes plays and he has that that swagger about him. But the Steelers brought in Allen Robinson to kind of be that 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 heady veteran who can kind of talk to talk to him and say, hey, let's 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 bring it back a little bit. Let's get it over here. But I also think people might be overlooking how Deontay Johnson factors into this. Now, you're probably sitting there saying, Chris, are you saying Deontay Johnson's leader? And yeah, I think he is. I also think I think he has to show it all throughout a season. But I think that Deontay Johnson sets a good tone for this team that people overlook because he's made mistakes on the field here and there. You know, he's had his drops. There's the plays where he's run backwards and people get on him for that. 
But there's a reason why he's one of the best route runners in the NFL. There's a reason why he's able to get open at the clips that, that he does. And he's done so in not the best quarterback era of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Remember, his rookie year was when Devlin Hodges and Mason Rudolph were starting for the Steelers. His second year, you had... Like the first half of the season, you had a decent Ben Roethlisberger. In the second half of the season, he fell off, and you saw Deontay Johnson's number dip. Then his third season was Ben's last year, which we all know was not not good, not that good at all from him. He just kind of still had his mental processes, but not nearly the big Ben that everyone came to know and love. And then, of course, last year you had Mitch Trubisky being a backup quarterback at the starting position, and then Kenny Pickett as a rookie. Deontay Johnson hasn't had that chance to be in his prime yet, so I think he's seen a lot and gone through a lot, but he still found a way to make play and he's earned respect and one thing that I thought was really cool that we saw on the sidelines at practice uh, yesterday was Steve Smith for some project that I'm pretty sure is going to come out at some point very soon but Steve Smith that Steve Smith the five-time you know Pro Bowl player wide receiver who was with the Panthers and the Ravens over the years and has talked a lot of trash to the Steelers over the years he was kind of undercover as like a a, a stick guy at at the Steelers practice and he was holding holding like the, 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 the the down marker on the sidelines in Steelers gear so kind of like to be like inconspicuous but you can't miss steve smith because you see that face and you're like if you see this ugly face that means i scored because it's so like i can't forget that 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 that, that face as neither could anyone um but at one point steve smith you know starts talking to Deontay johnson they probably talk like a good like 15 20 minutes and then at one point you see steve smith helping him learn new tricks and Deontay johnson sharing things with him and i thought that was a really cool thing to watch and you see the respect from those two guys Deontay johnson I know a lot of people look at it and they and they don't see the numbers of Antonio Brown and things like that. And so they get on him real quick. But I think people overlook just who Deontay Johnson is and how much work he's had to put in to get as good as he's gotten. And again, in a time where he hasn't had all the court, the best quarterback situations to work with with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But here's a clip of Deontay Johnson talking and you'll kind of get the maturity factor that I'm talking about, how he factors into this for the Steelers, as well as him talking about what his conversation was like with Steve Smith. Again, Deontay Johnson after Wednesday's practice at Steelers training camp. I'm going to ask you about chatting with Steve Smith over on the sideline. Um, what was it like just having him at practice, and did you watch him growing up? Yeah, I watched him growing up a lot. I wish I got, got a chance to you know, be on the field at the same time just to see like how how he moves around and does does his thing out there and sees the defense. Uh, like I said earlier, just picking his brain, like him seeing me pulling me to the side, telling me what I should do here on certain routes or should I just go on certain routes and know when to use certain moves mid-route. Just little stuff like that is a big help. You didn't want to ask him any trash-talking tips, though, no. while you're out there? No, I, I kind of <laughs> not try to talk on while I'm on the field, like, you know, unless somebody talks to me. But yeah. once I get it going and I'm talking, I kinda, I'm not in the game. Like, I don't <laughs> yeah. want to be on that type of level. So I kind of just get a ball back to the ref and keep making my plays. Deontay, how does Allen influence your receivers room, and what has he maybe taught you, and what is one thing you've picked up from him throughout this camp? Uh, AR, you know, he's been in the game a while, 10 years, this is 10th season, so he, he brings that vet mentality, and it's all about business, and you know what I'm saying, about his, about his job, so, and that feeds off on me, I'm learning from him, uh, just by how he handles himself, and you know what I'm saying, go about his routine and stuff like that, like, how he watches film, what he sees out there, like, we, we, we communicating better out there with him. He's getting us to communicate and talk better. Uh, you see the offense moving as one. We're moving faster. So I feel great about this season. And AR has been doing a great job on that. You've become one of the leaders of the offense. Vocally, you see you guys reminding people of body language, things like that, even outside of the game. What's, what's that transition being like, realizing, like, I was just a few years ago, I was one of the young guys, and now I'm a leader. 
Um, I, I've been there, you know what I'm saying, where the young guys are at, you know what I'm saying? So it's only right if I tell them, you know what I'm saying, ahead of time, as opposed to somebody else tell them different. Because, uh, you know what I'm saying, you don't want to put bad stuff on film and let a coach see, see a play get to you or whatnot. So it's just all about how you carry yourself out there when stuff not going your way or when stuff is going your way. Like, when you make a great play, act like you've been there before. So you're supposed to do that, you know what I'm saying? So I try not to showboat or do all that and stuff like that because I'm supposed to be making those plays. But, like, as far as character-wise, just being a better leader, vocal, you know what I'm saying, just leading by example. And uh, that's really about it. And I'm just showing the young guys how to how to be a, a true professional NFL receiver. You know, that, that goes a long way by just talking to them about little stuff like that. You haven't played in Tampa yet. No, yeah, I'm happy. It's Friday night. You're happy that you, you're playing there? Yeah, I never play. I played in the stadium in high school, yeah. like all-star game. But like as far as NFL, I never played though. It's just a good time to like see my family while I'm there. Uh, and just get to play in the stadium. So uh, I, I, I cut it off there just because we were running out of time as far as the, the you know how long the video could play here on the show. But I wanted to talk. I wanted to kind of highlight again what he was talking about there about one maturity factor. You know, I, I think one thing, you know, he, we were talking to him about, we didn't get to include in this clip was, you know, we asked him, you know, about when he's talking about players, uh, you know, when he's talking about players, you know, as far as, you know, be, you know, not being acting like they've been there. And you're probably thinking like, well, George Pickens celebrates a lot when he makes plays in practice and he does. And Deontay Johnson says, yeah, you got to let him be him, but you also got to remind him that he can't cost the team. And that's the big thing there. And I think that that's where Deontay Johnson is kind of, he's also been finding that balance because Deontay Johnson, like you said, he was just in the position of where a, a lot of his teammates were, where he was the young guy on, on the, on the roster and he had to learn. And so I think he's, you're, we're going to see a, a more experienced and, and, and tempered a, a guy, Deontay Johnson, who's learned over the years, what it need, what needs to be a, a leader, and what you need to do for your teammates in those spots. I've literally seen him, like when Connor Hayward like fumbled a ball, like he would walk up to Connor Hayward and hey, it's like, hey, head up, you know, body language. Remember, you know, remember, carry yourself the right way. Or if someone made a big play, he'd be like, hey, bring it back. We need you in the huddle. Things like that. You know, those type of maturity things. I think that Deontay Johnson is helping, and he's not like the biggest leader on the offense. I think it's a, it's across the board. Everyone kind of balances each other, and I think that could be a big factor for what can make this offense better and more mature moving forward. Uh, and we got to see it in games. It's still just practices, but that's something I didn't see a whole lot of last year when this offense was even younger than it is now. So uh, all that being said, I think that's something that needs that, that that Steelers fans should keep an eye out to see what where the leadership comes from in, on offense and how they handle different situations all year. I got more thoughts on training camp as well as what I was saying about TJ Watt earlier because I feel like adult after some after uh, after Wednesday with something I said, but I'll explain what's all behind that in a minute here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host Chris Carter. Stick with us. We got a lot to talk about, but. Before we do any of that, I want to remind you guys, this episode is sponsored by Underdog Fantasy and Best Ball Mania. August is here. You know what that means. It's the official start of fantasy football drafting month. You get championship ready for your home league by trying out Best Ball on Underdog Fantasy. All you do is one live snake draft. There's no waivers, no trades. Underdog sets your best lineup every single week. Trying out with Underdog's Best Ball Mania Tournament, the largest fantasy football contest of all time, is back and even bigger with $15 million of total prizes up for grabs, including an absurd $3 million going to the winner. Last year, the winner drafted their team in July, so don't wait around. Sign up today. You can visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store and sign up with the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C. 
K-E-D-O-N, locked on, all capital letters, all one word. And you'll get your first deposit doubled up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code locked on. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter. We're continuing our show here. I'm going to get back to training camp notes here now. As I said, the defense won seven shots um, at, at the beginning of practice, but the offense again looked really good in the red zone. Uh, Kenny Pickett threw a touchdown pass to George Pickens, who was who was wide open. Uh, Najee Harris had some good had some good runs. Um, uh, uh, Mitch Trubisky also looked really sharp. Darnell Washington had, had, a, had a really good catch in tight coverage. He also had a really good toe tapper in seven shots. All in all, the offense was doing something. But I got to tell y'all about what happened with TJ Watt. Now, if you're a fan of all my work, when I say I'm at the Post Gazette, I'm at Channel 11, I'm here, I do a lot of things here in Pittsburgh. Um, I do the, if you're a fan, you know about the North Shore Drive podcast, which is a Monday, Wednesday, Friday show I do for the Post Gazette. You can find it the same way you find this show on YouTube and all your podcasting apps. And I did a segment with Ray Fittipaldo, one of our Steelers beat writers there, where I asked about TJ Watt. And I was like, hey, man, I think he's fine. But like, is he? Because we haven't seen him dominate training camp the normal way that we've seen TJ Watt dominate training camp. And it was something that I was like, I was like, you know, I, I think he's still fine. But like normally in training camp, you see TJ Watt like bat like 20 passes, destroy everyone and remind everyone he's still the best defensive player in the NFL. And we hadn't seen that much this training camp. Now, partially, I was like, A. And we talk about this right for the pot. I'll go back and watch the Wednesday episode if you want to see the full context of this conversation. But I was like, A. Maybe they're just he's taking it easy because they're telling him, hey, we don't need your best right now. We need your best uh, in in the fall when when the season's actually starting. And, you know, that kind of plays into, you know, they don't want him hurt leading into the season the way he was, the way Najee Harris was, the way Alex Highsmith was going into early last season. So I thought maybe all of that played played into it. But I still put the thought out there. And I got to admit, I've had this thought. For a little bit in the back of my head, I'm like, man, I'm not seeing TJ dominate practice the normal way. I've seen him dominate practice, but I was like, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I said it on the podcast uh, for the Post-Gazette. And I don't know if TJ heard me, but there's a part of me that feels like he did because I literally that episode literally dropped like Wednesday morning. I get to practice Wednesday afternoon. And there's at one point when the Steelers are lining up for 11 on 11s and TJ Watt, he's like looking in my direction. I'm like, is he looking at me? I don't, I don't know. But I was like, I was like, that was weird. It was, and then he like, he, everyone kind of breaks off and they get into their, their lineups and everything. And then TJ Watt proceeded to utterly destroy the Steelers offensive line. And, and it, I was like, okay, yeah, he's just been holding back or just taking it easy, not trying to exert himself and potentially hurt himself in training camp because he, he knows how to turn it on and turn it off because uh, he is TJ Watt. And at one point it was like, he like wrecked like three play, plays in a row. And Mike Tomlin was like, does anyone, can anyone just try to block TJ, please? And like the whole like crowd heard it and, and laughed. But that was TJ Watt. And in that moment, I was like, oh, I'm stupid. Like I dared believe that TJ Watt wasn't at 100%. I dared believe that he may not be good to go for this season. Like there's some lingering issue or injury or something. I, 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 I apologize to the football gods 
for doubting T.J. Watt. And I should have learned my lesson because everyone around the country that doesn't like T.J. Watt doubts him all the time and says that Miles Garrett and random people are better than him. And I defend that. I defend him a lot on the show. But in the in the midst of, uh, of looking at training camp, maybe it's just the hot sun beating down on me. But I made the mistake of thinking like, oh, maybe there's something there that that's not good with T.J. Watt. No, he's very good and raring to go. So that was one of my big training camp notes for Wednesday was, oh, T.J. Watt absolutely was getting busy out there. Um, but a few other a few other things there. Um, I think we saw more of Deontay Johnson. I think we're seeing more Deontay Johnson and George Pickens and just the diversity of which Kenny Pickett is developing good connections across the board with players on offense uh, as far as throwing them the ball, knowing where they're going to be timing and how to, and how to, and how to work with things. I think that is building and it's going to see that Mike Tomlin also said, you're going to see a good bit of Kenny Pickett in the first team offense in the first preseason game. We'll talk more about that on Friday with Jenna Harner. So that'll be a factor there as, as, as well. Um, but uh, other, other notes I'm, I made here, Isaiah Loudermilk continues to impress. I know I talked about this with Alan Saunders early in the week, but man, he's looking good and they're moving him around. He, this defensive line is going to be tough to cut. Like, I, I'm not sure who you want to give up right now. We talked about this with Alan Saunders, but man, Loudermilk and he's filling into this, his frame. And this is part of what, if you remember way back when they drafted him, they traded up in the, in the fifth, to the back of the fifth round. Um, I think it was in the 2020 draft when they got him or no, 2021 draft, excuse me. But uh, but when they got him and they brought him in, you know, Carl Dunbar was like that. We saw that frame and we were like, oh, we can use that frame that can that can turn into something. And at first he wasn't he didn't have the strength. He didn't have the explosiveness, but it seems like he's gotten it and he's really being a game changer, at least in practice. We got to see him be a game changer in actual games first. But he's a guy that has really surprised me uh, in, in training camp. I think that he's uh, he's ma- he's made some good statements there. Um, as far as how he's performed so far, uh, Nate Herbig has been solid as, as a backup interior offensive lineman. Um, also saw some really good reps from Kendrick Green, uh, not just in the fullback role. He actually pancaked DeMarvin Leal on a, on a play, which I was like, whoa, what the heck was that? Because DeMarvin Leal normally is pretty good during practice, and he was pretty good during practice. But on that on one play, Kendrick Green got him. I was like, Okay, maybe maybe Kendrick Green just needed a little bit of a confidence boost. And it makes me wonder this. And, and I put this just put this in a pin, a pin in this thought here. What if this whole Kendrick Green playing fullback thing it is a fun little experiment? But what if this was like a way to like shock him out of whatever funk he's been in since he joined the Steelers and be like, hey, this is fun. Because he like he seems to love it, and guys seem to love it. And they they support him playing it. But what if this is a way of shocking whatever his, is in his brain that he's not been playing well to say, hey, like this is fun. Get into this. Get better at the things we need you to get better at. And now the Steelers are seeing him maybe be better as an interior offensive lineman. I, I, that's a very far out conspiracy theory on my part. But there could be something there that the coaches were trying to stir up, at, you know, whoever you know has been doing that. But I think we've seen a little bit better of a Kendrick Green. I think a more men- mentally healthy Kendrick Green since he's been allowed to do a little bit more in the offense. Heck, he was working with the jugs machine and catching passes. Uh, the jugs machine is the machine where you put the football in it, it just rockets at you. Don't do that if you're not ready for it, uh, because it will it will hurt your hands if you're if you're not sure about it. But he was catching them after practice, and you get the impression like, man, like. He really, he's really ready to go to catch some passes and, and truck some people with his huge frame. So th- that's been interesting um, to kind of keep track of uh, with the Steelers. But 
all, all in all, Wednesday was another fully padded practice where I think we saw the strength of the offensive line was certainly there, but the defensive line could could still overtake it. I think it kind of confirmed that with um, – uh, with Cam Hayward, with T.J. Watt, and even with guys like Larry Ogunjobi, I think that like some of the older vets, the Steelers might have been saying like, "Hey, don't overdo this right now. We need you to be healthy for the big games." I think that's something that's been going on. It's also apparent that like, I, I you know, we talked about training camp fights going in and how excited we were to see the like you know training camp scraps and stuff like that. There haven't been any, and to me, that means that's been emphasized by the coaching staff for a reason. And Maybe it's just because, you know what, the Steelers are like, look, like Mike Thomas said, he wants a goon squad. He wants mean and he wants nasty, but he doesn't want people to get hurt. and He doesn't want people to do stupid stuff in games. And maybe this is just a change of tone with how he wants to approach with, with this current core guy. So um, I've been impressed by how I've seen some things run in training camp on both sides of the ball. And again, it just further encourages my predictions when I'm telling you this is a double-digit win team. This is a team I think is going to get 10, 11, maybe even 12 wins so long as they don't lose any of their major players for significant times throughout the season like they did T.J. Watt last year. And again, I, I also reemphasize they were a nine-win team last year with T.J. Watt missing two months. If he plays in the Jets, Patriots, and Dolphins games, they at least win one of those games, and they're a 10-win team. They might win two or three of those games, and then they're an 11- or 12-win team last year. And that was when we were talking about this team being you know, being uh, completely rebuilding the offense. I think the offense is much, much, much further along than than, than, we're, than people, are, uh, you know, people can understand right now because we haven't seen them in games but that'll be something to see a first glimpse of against a live opponent friday for steelers preseason game we'll we'll preview that game with jenna harner for our friday episode so i'll leave it to that but a lot of you have been giving us calls we're going to try to answer as many as we can here and then the ones we don't we will keep answering as we continue on with the show here on the locked on steelers podcast i'm your host chris carter stick with us we got we still got a lot more to talk about here on the show we'll be right back Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get to some of your questions here that you've been calling in. Now, remember, you can always call in at 412-223-6644. Leave your name, where you're from, and keep your question under a minute, and we'll get you on the show here. And also, if you donate $10 to help with the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation Fund, it would really help us out uh, with the campaign we've been running on the show. Thank you to everyone who's donated. I think we've raised over $5,700 so far this summer, and it's been awesome. We're hoping to raise a lot more for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, finding a disease that impacts tens of thousands of Americans every single year. But let's get back to what I was talking about here. Let's start taking your calls here. We, we got quite a few. Uh, first question here um, are, is a question from Zach from New York, who asks about change in the offenses, offense, which I've talked a little bit about, but I'll get more into what Zach's asking. Here's Zach. Hey, Chris. What's going on, man? Uh, my name is Zach, and I'm calling from upstate New York. Um, my main question for you is based on last year moving into this year. When I would watch the Steelers play, um, it was almost like their offense was so predictable. Um, me, I don't get paid millions and millions of dollars to read an offense, but I was reading the offense from my living room. And so my main question for you is during watching training camp throughout the season, the preseason so far, what do you think has changed and do you think they're less predictable this year? 
First of all, thank you, Zach, for your question. Um, appreciate everyone who who calls in with questions. But Zach, to answer your question, I agree, it was predictable, and, and there were things about it that were tough to read, uh, that were tough to kind of stomach. But I think that the Steelers' offense had what was designed to be predictable last year, in the sense that they the handcuffs were definitely on the offense to let the defense win last year and not jeopardize putting Kenny Pickett in some situations where he had to kind of play a little too much or too hard uh, and risk turning the ball over more and kind of let him learn from a limited or smaller uh, a box, if you will, of things that he's able to do or allowed to do so that he can sharpen at those things. And then once he gets great at the things they're asking him to do, then they can start to expand his role and grow in what he does in the offense. Uh, but yes, we have seen things tr- uh, kind of t- trend upwards as far as what the Steelers offense is doing so far, so far this year. Um, you know, I've talked about how play action is a lot, uh, is a much bigger part of the offense, at least in training camp. Now, again, we got to see that translate the games because if it doesn't, no, we talking about something else here. But uh, but as far as in practice, like they're they're catching the defense off guard and the first team Steelers defense off guard with some of their with, with some of their play action, the misdirection. Heck, Ryan Clark was even talking about the misdirection uh, as an observer when he was rooting for the defense to beat the Steelers offense in some of the drills that they were having. And I, I think that you're seeing the actual offense that Matt Canada's wanted to run for the last two years. And he's finally getting a chance to actually start to really run it in his third year. And so that's an interesting point here about the Steelers offense that I think that we haven't gotten a chance to see the real part of it. I truly think that when he came in his first year, he wasn't able to tell Ben Roethlisberger nothing. That was his offense because he'd been here for 15, 20 years, however long he was there for. And it was like, what you're going to do as your first year offensive coordinator going to tell me, what what to do that's just my perspective that's just where, where, where i think but i think that was the case and then last year like i said like with deontay johnson limited with backup quarterback and mitch trubisky that you knew wasn't there for the for the long haul as the starter and then kenny pickett as the rookie who came in with throwing interceptions to start even in the limited role that you gave him and you needed him to sharpen up but you did get him to sharpen up so let's see how they open things up here and we'll follow this up with a question from our friend cameron who's out in charlotte and asked a question about matt canada Here's Cameron with his question. Hi, my name is uh, Cameron Stanford. I live in uh, North Carolina, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, though, diehard Steelers fan. Um, my question to you is, if this season, that Canada and his offense doesn't improve enough, gets a little bit better, but doesn't improve enough, do you think that he should be allowed to continue on and stay as the coordinator, offensive coordinator of the Pittsburgh Steelers? Or do you think that it'll be time to let Matt Canada go and move on from him? And if not this year, when do you think we should start looking for a new offensive coordinator? Thanks for your time. Bye-bye. For your question, appreciate everyone who's calling in with questions for the Lockdown Steelers podcast. But uh, to answer your question, we talked about this a little bit throughout the offseason, but uh, remember the Steelers were ranked 26th in offense because they were scoring 18.1 points per game. It's pretty doggone bad. For, in my opinion, Matt Canada does have a future with the Steelers if he's able to show real progress. And real progress, honestly, it isn't, you know, 30 points per game. That's just not realistic. But if he improves them to the point of being in the upper half of the league and 
is averaging somewhere around 22, 23, 24 points per game. I think that shows that when he's actually had a chance to run an offense, that's his offense and with experienced players who know the offense that there's progress to be made. And if that's, if that's the case and you do feel like it's making actual progress and and the the offense is growing, you can't just throw it away, right? You you gotta be able to, 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 to stick with it. And uh, just to, just to uh, point this out again, if the Steelers were to average just 22 points per game, that would have been the 14th best team in the NFL last year. That would have been ahead of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers last year in an offense that he's played in for almost as long as Ben Roethlisberger was in his offense with the Steelers. So, um, I, if he gets it there and he's able to average at least three touchdowns and maybe a field goal or so per game, so talking about 20, if, if they average 24 points per game, they're a top 10 offense in according to last year's standards. That would be a lot. And I just, I think that that's, that that's asking a lot from a young group like this, even though we're talking about the maturity and how they could be a little bit further along than people are giving them credit for. But at the same time, I just think that you have to look at this and, and and think that if he gets them into that that fourteen and above range, you got to keep him. You got to let him grow. And I think that it, it, people might have to admit a lot of the criticisms that have been labeled on Matt Canada may have been misplaced because they didn't understand what they were saying. And maybe Steelers fans or people were just frustrated because they were seeing things and they just think, oh, let's blame the coordinator for something. And we've talked about that a lot over the, the years. And we've acknowledged when I thought that certain things weren't good about Matt Canada, but we've also acknowledged that like, you know what, there might be some realistic things that we're not privy to. And I think that we are starting to see some of that come out come out in training camp. But again, it's got to come out on the field to to make to make a real difference. We got a couple other questions here. Actually, we're going to finish with one more question here because I think this is actually a good question that changes the tone. We talked a lot of offense today. I want to talk some defense here. We got Carl from Jacksonville calling in for the show. Carl, take it away. Carl F. Newman Jr. I'm from Jacksonville, Florida. So my question is. Will our secondary be a lockdown secondary like the 70s or like the 2019? Because over the past uh, 10 seasons, Ike Taylor was terrible. Dwayne Washington was terrible. Neither one could cover. It always always get beat. That's my question. Will this year's secondary return to uh, prominence? We need corners who can cover. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your question. Appreciate you, Carl, for, for, for calling into the show and asking about this. And I kind of want to poke, poke at this a little bit here, Carl, because realistically, the Steelers for, the, for a while of the 2010s, their corners were terrible. I mean, they, they, there's no denying that they were getting torched left and right. You could have called them the Fry guys. You went really back with Dwayne Washington with the early 2000s. I mean, that's when I was a kid and starting to watch them, and that's where they were the Fry guys, him and Chad Scott. I just remember like Terrell Owens torching those guys. But these are very different eras. So let's 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 address a few things here step by step. One, you brought up Ike Taylor. Ike Taylor was a very good corner. I know that everyone remembers the Demarius Thomas touchdown and that was embarrassing and how the Steelers got knocked out the playoffs in overtime and that really big play. But Ike Taylor shut down receivers for years for the Steelers and not just any receivers. He shut down Chad Ochocinco. If, if, 
if anyone remembers this, because uh, I remember little things like this all the time. This is part of why I just I love sports and, and and keeping track of things like this. But there used to be a thing like Chad Joe Ochocinco when he was Chad Johnson back in the day. He had this like this checklist that the CBS Sports even like included in the game day pregame package where he was checking off corners that he had destroyed and beaten and embarrassed. And he was like, oh, got this corner, got this corner, got this corner. It was like week eight or something like that. And he was facing up against Ike Taylor. He said, oh, and he's next. And Ike Taylor shut him down. And that was never a thing anymore. He stopped doing the checklist because he was taking him away. Ike Taylor was a very good corner for the Steelers. Now, he wasn't an all-pro because he didn't have all the interception numbers and his hands were suspect. But as far as the being a, a great athlete, a guy who could play his assignment and erase top receivers, Ike Taylor was very good at his job. So I, I think you need to exclude him from the talk about the bad secondaries. Now, you could talk about that from, say, 2012 to like 2017, 2018. I think that's when you could kind of keep that up. But I'd also say since 2019, the Steelers secondary has been been good. I mean, let's 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 take this let's take this step by step. So 2019, remember 2017 was when they also got Joe Hayden. So the, the secondary started to get a little bit better um at that point, but they were still had Artie Burns, still had Sean Davis, still had Mike Mitchell. They they were in, in, in a really bad spot. But if you go back and you look at what they did in 2019 when they traded for Minka Fitzpatrick, that was the number three passing defense in the NFL. And a lot of it was due to the secondary, who had the second most interceptions in the league that year. 20 And remember, that was a really good corner year. Joe Hayden was, was at corner. Steven Nelson was still at corner. See, Mike Hilton was still at corner. So you had three dudes that were starter capable and ready to go. So I think that there's... There's some things to clear up there. They deserve more credit than uh, than people give. And, and listen, I'm not coming at you, coming at you, uh, Carl, because I, I feel you. There's frustration that you want to see success for the for your favorite team. But let's put some of that in in realism here. In 2020, in 2021, they were the number nine passing defense um, in in the NFL. Now they fell back in interceptions to about 15th, but that was that 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 was that was that. But in 2022, they led the NFL in interceptions. Minka Fitzpatrick, Cam Sutton, who is gone, Levi Wallace, they all played big roles in that. And now they've got Patrick Peterson, who just had five interceptions last year. They still got Levi Wallace, who had a whole bunch of interceptions last year. And you got Joey Porter, who we're seeing in training camp. He doesn't have this hands problem that people just assumed he did because he only had one career interception in college. He's getting thrown at, and when he does, he's able to bring down, bring down interceptions. So we don't know for sure. If the Steelers have locked down corners for the future, I think Patrick Peterson is still a very good corner and they're going to move him around a little bit. I think Levi Wallace is a very solid number two guy. I think Joey Porter Jr. is still growing in, in what he needs to do to be a consistent starter in the NFL, but he shows a lot of qualities that he can grow into being that number one shutdown corner and maybe become that guy. He still has a long way to go there, but we've seen flashes of really good play, really not so good play. He's been, he's been beaten, you know, you know, a, a lot in this camp. That's part of what happens with rookies. You want them to experience that, learn from that and see how they bounce back. And I've seen Joey Porter Jr. Bounce back a lot in training camp, never putting his head down, always bouncing back, uh, you know, and, and not letting the last play affect the next play. So all in all call to answer your question. I think that the Steelers secondary, I don't know if they will be shut down. I don't know if they will be the best in the league, 
But I think when you when you have Minka Fitzpatrick, and don't sleep on Demonte KZ. He's been hurt in camp. He's been day-to-day for a little bit, but he's going to be an important role. Keanu Neal's going to be an important role. And watch out for this Kenny Robinson dude, man. He's been making plays in training camp. If he's your fourth safety, you can't be too mad at it. And there's still Trey Norwood who factors in there. He's a really solid guy and knows where he's got to be. Miles Killebrew's an extra guy. They've got safeties on deck. Cornerback. I think that they're, that they're in a really good position, but this is a team that with the pass rush that they have, and if they're able to stuff stuff the run, this secondary, I think, will be in a really good position to make a lot of plays on the ball this year. So to answer your question, I think that this is going to be a very good secondary this year, and I think it's going to have the makings to carry forward and be a great secondary for years to come if Joey Porter Jr. fills out the way he does. But Minka Fitzpatrick, he's going to be the dog that he has been for the Steelers, and and you know being being a a just a, a terrorist for for offenses and just taking away everything that that, that, that they want. I think there's so much to, to to offer for the Steelers secondary moving forward. So you'll probably see that sooner rather than later in the Steelers D defense. But thank you everyone for giving your calls. There's more calls that we haven't gotten a chance to get to. We will try to get them to them as we as we continue on. But tomorrow Football is back, baby, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're going to get some previews in with Jenna Harner. She's going to be back with us as we preview Steelers. Buccaneers get you all the storylines and all the thoughts you need ready to go so that you're sitting there Friday night and enjoying it with every note that you could possibly have just to see what I see. And then we'll reconvene after that as well. We'll also have a bonus episode after the game where we talk about what we saw, you know, how we feel about certain players and how they're moving forward in the season. Thanks again for tuning in to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques, read my work at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and check me out here daily, Monday through Friday, on the Lockdown Steelers podcast, on your favorite podcasting apps, and YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes, as well as our bonus content like we will have after the Friday night game uh, for the Steelers preseason. Thanks again, everybody. Check in check in t- tomorrow for one, for one final episode to preview the Steelers preseason game. <laughs> 